Lifeline, the word, actually has its heritage in, in nautical terms. Lifelines are those lines that run around the boat, the netting that runs around the boat to keep people from falling off, as in a sailboat. It is also the line that is tossed to someone in the water who wasn't stopped by the ropes or the netting that were the lifelines on the side of the boat. There's more. A lifeline is a specific crease in the palm of your hand. A lifeline is assistance in answering a question on the game show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Lifeline was an NBC documentary program in the late 1970s. Lifeline is a medical alert company, an action video game, an Indiana law, and the name of a Phillips, Craig, and Dean album. We've even turned it into a verb as in someone was lifelined to the trauma center. Most of all, when I think of a lifeline, I see in my mind the jagged EKG heart line which flashes across the ICU monitor indicating that life is present. The Bible is full of lifelines, passages that infuse energy into our mediocrity, hope into our desperation, and encouragement into our weariness. You have helped put this series together. You contributed <clears throat> your favorite passages, your lifelines, the ones that mean the most to you. Over 225 different passages and stories were submitted during that, uh, that time when we took that survey and you wrote down your favorite passages. And not surprisingly, the ones that got the most uh, acknowledgement are the very same ones that, according to national polls, are the favorites of Christians all across the country. Here, the number one choice, with 43 people saying this was their favorite, is actually Philippians chapter 4, specifically the 13th verse, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Now, over the summer, with the exception of John 3.16, which everybody knows so well, we're going to explore the top vote-getters that you submitted as your favorite passages of Scripture, your favorite lifelines. And I can't think of a better way to begin than by looking at this passage from the book of Proverbs, these lines of wisdom. Now, <clears throat> let me define wisdom for just a moment. Sometimes I talk to folks who, who think that wisdom and knowledge are synonymous. In other words, the more knowledge you have, the more information you've gained, the wiser you are. But, but wisdom and knowledge are not equals. They're not synonymous. A wisdom and knowledge are as different as being book smart is compared to street smart. Having academic sense is no guarantee that you will have common sense. I like how Miles Kington put it. He said, knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is not putting it in a fruit salad. <laughs> See the difference? <clears throat> now listen again. You've already heard it a couple times. But listen again to the incredible wisdom in these words from Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun 
evil. Life isn't easy, as you know. Life is filled with stress, anxiety, unexpected health crises, economic struggles, family squabbles, workplace drama, and global conflicts that seem to have no end. So where do you turn for wise counsel? Whose advice can you depend on and trust in those moments when you need answers and you need them quickly? Where do you go for hope in life's hopeless moments? Ah, the wisdom of Proverbs is timeless. This passage seems to just, even though 3,000 years old, feel as new and fresh as if Solomon had penned the words this morning. It is the Lord who can be trusted with the questions that we debate, the joys that we share, and the burdens that we've carried And I've noticed through the years, too, folks, that this passage, every time I read it, it speaks to my heart. And and it can say one thing at one stage in my life, and it can say something altogether different in a new stage of my life. They always speak with wisdom. So how do we take this 3,000-year-old passage and apply it to our 21st century lives? How do we learn to trust Him with all of our heart and stop leaning on our own understanding? How can we acknowledge Him in all our ways? And how do we know when and where He is leading us? Well, let's take just a closer look this morning at this text. I want to leave you with with three thoughts that come, at least that uh, I find helpful in this passage for me. I hope you find them helpful as well. When I read this passage, I I first of all see a challenge here. And and the challenge is simply this, trusting God with all of your heart. Now, there are a lot of action words in this text. Trust, lean not or don't lean, acknowledge Him, He will make, fear the Lord. All of these expressions have this in common. They express the importance of relying upon God. And, And Solomon says that's the wise thing to do. depend on, rely on, lean on God. The phrases trust in the Lord and fear the Lord are like two sides of the wisdom coin. Proverbs 9.10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. To trust the Lord with all your heart refers to total surrender. You've got to remember this, in, in the Hebrew mind, when a Hebrew read this passage, he saw heart differently than we do. When, when we talk about the heart, we think of the seat of our emotions. We think of how we feel. But when the Hebrew reader read this passage, he or she understood it to mean with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your will, with all your being. This isn't just a feeling. This is every part of you, and that's the challenge. To be able to trust God with everything that is in us. It's, it's, a, it's a statement that is easily made, but a practice that is hard to do. I mean, Trust is challenging enough with people you can see, with people you can reach out and touch. As a matter of fact, I think today we are more skeptical of people's motives than we've ever been. I think that there is an edge to trust that's harder to extend than ever before. 
I mean, the news is filled with stories of deception and embezzlement and broken promises and fraud and illicit behavior to the point that we've become guarded with who we will trust. I actually think that's why so many people are skeptical of the church. Every time I read of a minister caught in some act of immorality or a predator who masquerades as a good church volunteer, I know it's going to make the non-believer even more suspicious of Christians. Can't say that I blame them when I read those kinds of things. And when I think of that kind of broken trust, I can't help but think of the story that Elsie and I were told shortly after we moved here in 1981. I've told you the story before, but I when I think of broken trust, this, this one comes to mind because it was shared with us through broken hearts. The story, when, when the church moved from Walnut Street down to the old site on Winslow Road there in the Sherwood Oaks area, they were just getting ready to build. They'd gone through kind of a, a fundraising thing. They had $10,000 to get the building program started off, and one of the deacons in the congregation uh, at, at the time said that he knew where, where the church could get some building materials at a really discount price. And so the church board said, okay, you take the 10000 you get the building materials, and we'll get this building program off the ground. And he skipped out and went to Florida, and the church lost the money. They never saw him again. And let me tell you, 40-some 40, 40 years ago, that was a, a, a real blow to this congregation as they were trying to get started. That was a lot of money back then, and the broken trust left people hurting. It's no wonder that we talk about trust being fragile. It's easily shattered. The continually broken promises of a parent, the unfaithfulness of a spouse, the duplicity of a longtime friend, trust can be destroyed in the blink of an eye. And what's taken a lifetime to grow can go away in matters of minutes. As a matter of fact, trust may not ever be rebuilt. It may, but it will not come quickly. Now, we talk a lot about the importance of belief, but I'm, I'm here to tell you, believing something is always easier than trusting something. Believing in someone is easier than trusting in someone. Belief is merely acknowledging the facts that are true. Trust, however, is placing your character, maybe even your life on the line in the hands of somebody else. Now, I, I want to teach you uh, the, the pendulum principle this morning. Hopefully, you'll be able to see this. It is a, it's a principle of physics, and, and the principle goes like this. A pendulum will never swing higher than its starting point. Okay? You, got, you understand? All right. So, we've got this ball here uh, on, the, um, on the whiteboard, and we're going to see how far it will come back when we get started. Okay? I'll try to stand as far out of the way as I can. You ready? We're going to start it up here. Let's see how far it'll come back. Well, it's hitting the board now, but you get the point. Every time it swings, it, it comes a little lower. Uh, the, the, the forces of friction and the forces of gravity cause this ball to swing slower and slower, and if we left it alone, it would eventually come to a stop and be still again because of this physics principle. So, the principle of a, of a pendulum is that it will never swing higher than its starting point. Let me see the hands of all of you who believe that principle is true. 
Okay, good. Now, we got another son. Wes, go ahead and bring, bring out our, our next demonstration. I need a volunteer, all right? Uh, I, I, I want you to help me prove this principle again. Thank you, Wes. You're Novana White, but I appreciate your help this morning. <laughs> Now, here's the deal. I need a volunteer. This has got concrete in the bottom of the can, all right? I need a volunteer to come up here and demonstrate this principle. Do I have any volunteers? Okay, all right. Come quickly. I've got miles to go before I sleep. All right. Thank you. Hey, Will, I couldn't tell who it was back there. You are a brave soul. Okay, have a, have a seat. Now, let's see. Oh, scoot up just a little bit. <laughs> Back just an inch or so. Just, there we, there we go. Perfect. All right. Hold on to that for a minute. Now, I'm going to, put your hands down. <laughs> Tell me when I'm about a quarter of an, am I about a quarter of an inch from your chin? Yep. All right, hold still. You ready? Here we go. Good job. Thank you. I'm impressed. You did not flinch. Most people do. I flinched the first time I tried it to make sure this would really work. Bill Butler in our first service flinched. One of our elders wanted to do it. I said, no, in case it goes south, I do not want one of our elders doing this. <laughs> Most people will flinch. You see something coming back like, because you see, we can all say, I believe the principle, but trusting it, and Will did a good job of trusting that it would not come back and clobber him in the face. What's more, I got very few hands to volunteer a second ago. <laughs> do you notice that? Everybody raised their hand. I believe the principle. Just a few of you were willing to put your trust in the principle. You, you see what I'm saying? Trust is a lot harder than belief. Most of us believe that God exists, but trusting Him through the crisis moments of our lives is quite another thing. And when God chooses to answer one of our prayers with a no, which may ultimately be the best answer, it's like we've just been clobbered in the face with a heavy weight. We live with the gnawing, doubtful question, what if God doesn't come through for me? I've trusted him. Now, what if he drops the ball? What's more, if you've had a bad experience with an earthly father, it's doubly hard to trust the heavenly father. If your husband has been unfaithful to you, it's doubly hard for you to trust the bridegroom of the church. But remember this, folks, we must never ascribe to God the baggage and the hang-ups that we've experienced with other people in this life. Sometimes people say to me, I, I just can't blindly trust God. Well, who said anything about blind trust? That's absurd. Trusting God doesn't require that you surrender your brain and somehow put everything intellectual on hold. Just the opposite is true. Christianity is, some, is not some kind of robotic, cultic relationship where you stop thinking. God expects you to use your brain, but use it wisely. And trusting God doesn't mean you blindly accept what you read or you hear. 
Check it out. Know what God has said himself. When somebody says something in the name of God, doesn't necessarily make it so. If God has said it, it makes it so. Understand what he has promised. God never calls anyone to blind allegiance or to blind trust. So when is it that we start trusting God? I think we start trusting God when we learn that the promise of success is greater than the potential of failure. When you realize the one who has your back is greater than the one who is in your face. When you discover the power available to you is greater than the problem affecting you. When the power that's available to you is greater than the problem afflicting you. The story is told of a stranded motorist um, years ago in the early part of the 20th century. His Model T had stopped. He was pulled off to the side of the road, and the young driver was under the hood, and he was tinkering around with the engine of the Model T trying to get it to start, and he couldn't get it to start. And a limousine, chauffeur-driven limousine, pulled up next to him on the old road, stopped, and a well-dressed older gentleman got out of the car, walked up, leaned over and for a few minutes just watched the young man tinkering with the engine and uh, finally he said if you'll adjust this and he pointed to the part in the engine he was referring to he said it'll start and the young man was kind of caught off guard and he looked and he thought well I don't have anything to lose I mean I haven't been able to get it to start so he made the adjustment and and the older man said okay close the hood and and crank it and he did and it started and ran just like knew, and the young man looked around with just surprise in his voice and said, how did you know what part? And the man said, my name is Henry Ford. <laughs> he said, I own the company that builds these cars. He said, I know how they work. Now, I called the uh, Henry Ford Museum this week to see if this story is true, and they're doing research to find out. Haven't gotten back to me yet. I hope it's a true story, but the truth is accurate whether the story is fable or not. Wisdom dictates that trusting the right source makes all the difference in dealing with your problems. When your life has problems, trust the one who is the source of life. Trust in the Lord with all of your being. Now, in this passage, there's also an obstacle. And the obstacle is this. Our, our obstacle to trust is always that we want to lean on the wrong support. We're always looking to lean on our own understanding. Or in verse 7, don't be wise in your own eyes. This phrase is used some nine times throughout the book of Proverbs, and it stands in contrast with the concept of trusting God. You may think of yourself as wise. Most of us do too. I don't mean we think you're wise. Most of us think that we're wise in our own eyes. But to think of ourselves as wise to the exclusion of God's wisdom is the height of arrogance. Even the best-intentioned people have often demonstrated their lack of wisdom. In 1946, Daryl Zanuck, head of 20th Century Fox, producer of great movies at that day and time, said this, quote, television won't last. People will soon get tired of staring at a plywood box every night. Today, it is estimated that there are 325 to 350 million television sets in the United States alone. That's more than our population. 
which suggests that at, at nearly every family has one, and lots of families have more than one, and millions of new ones are sold every year. What a terrible prediction. Kind of wonder what great insights we lean on today that will be laughed at 50 years from now. You see, when we lean on our own understanding, who knows what the end result's going to be? Learning not to depend upon our own wisdom demonstrates great humility. But humility is hard to come by when we want to be the ones calling the shots. Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. That's why we need to trust Him. His plans prevail. When a pilot flies into a fog bank, or a cloud bank or a, or, or a, is hemmed in by fog, when, when he looks out the windows of the cockpit and he cannot see the horizon, something begins to happen to his sense of equilibrium and balance. I don't know how to describe it other than the fact that you begin to feel like the plane is tilted. It may be flying true and level, but you feel like it's off. If a pilot relies on his own understanding, disaster awaits. It is at that moment in time when he must, he must trust the instruments on the panel. And Thankfully, those who produce aircraft do not give you just one instrument. There are several. You have an altimeter. You have an artificial horizon. You have a turn and bank. You have all kinds of radio equipment and GPS, everything you need to know to keep that plane flying at the right altitude and the right attitude. But there's something in the body that makes you feel like, oh, I don't think it's right. you got to trust the instruments. When you lean on your own understanding, you will crash and burn. Don't be wise in your own eyes unless you want to crash and burn. Here's the third thing I see in this text, and that is there is a response that's called for, and this is the response, in all your ways acknowledge Him. Now, I want to suggest that in learning how to acknowledge God in all of our ways, that we acknowledge His presence in our life, His work in our world, and that will help build faith. When you can see God's handiwork around you, it will help instill trust and make it easier to trust Him with all your being. Let, let me give you just a couple examples from, from God's creation. The thrush nightingale lives in the spring and summer months in Norway and Sweden, but it migrates and winters in southern Africa. Now, that alone is something incredible. That, that's at least a 5,000-mile trip to and from, and we're talking about a bird the size of, of a robin or maybe slightly smaller. The, that is amazing in and of itself, but, the, but there is a barrier that the bird must cross, and it's the Sahara Desert. It takes five days for the bird to cross the Sahara Desert. There is no food in the Sahara Desert to get the bird all the way across. The bird flies during the night, it rests during the, the heat of the day, but something amazing happens. The thrush nightingale stops just short of the Sahara and fattens up, sometimes gaining twice its body weight to get through the next five days of flight across the Sahara. Going and coming does the same thing. If, if God, somehow through the magnetic poles around the, uh, around the Sahara perhaps, if God can fill in this tiny bird, 
the instinct to be able to stop and know what to do and get it safely to and from, back and forth. If God can take care of the thrush nightingale, God can take care of you. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. In the last 30 to 40 years, scientists have discovered that just about everything regarding the basic structure of the universe balances on a razor's edge for life to exist. For instance, the precise process by which carbon and oxygen are produced in stars makes life possible. Just a 1% change in the nuclear force would have as much as a 1,000-fold impact upon the production of oxygen and carbon in stars like our sun, and thus render life as we know it impossible. If God can make the universe work on a razor's edge, He can take care of you. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. The ocean tides are dependent upon the moon's gravity and its pull upon the crust of the earth. But do, do you realize that if the if the moon's gravity were just a little more or a little less, or if the moon's orbit was just a little farther out or a little closer in, it would cause cataclysmic tidal wave movement in the oceans and would cover the continents, and we would not have life as we know it if the moon wasn't exactly where it was, the size that it was, traveling at the speed that it does. If God can, can make the oceans work, then God can take care of you. In all your ways, acknowledge him, trust him. He really does have the whole world in his hands. And when you learn to trust and acknowledge the Lord, then comes the promise he will make your paths straight. This doesn't mean that the Lord promises a life free from difficulties, far from it. Rather, it means that one's life has a straight forward direction and an obvious purpose. We know where we're going when we trust the Lord. I read of a woman driving in a snowstorm in Denver. She was outside of Denver. She was trying to get to her home in Denver. She was completely lost and struggling under the blizzard-like conditions. She saw the lights of a snowplow, and she thought, aha, if I follow the snowplow, I'll get someplace and hopefully get into Denver and get home. And so she starts following the snowplow right on his bumper. He's driving for a few minutes, finally stops. The door opens of the cabbie, comes back and says, lady, where are you trying to go? And she says, I'm trying to get home to Denver, and I'm following you. And he says, well, if you follow me, you aren't going to get home. I'm plowing the mall parking lot. <laughs> it makes a difference who you follow. There's a lot that can't get you home. As a matter of fact, I can tell you there is only one who can get you home. It's the same one who can get the thrush nightingale back and forth across this globe. It's the same one who keeps the moon in its orbit. It's the same one who gives us life and breath. He is the one you can trust, the only one to get you home. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and trust Him with everything that is in you.